welcome to the Bless Our Mess podcast, dedicated to strengthening marriages, families, and mental health. Taylor is a licensed therapist that brings his life's work and experiences to these crucial conversations. Life has its way of getting messy, so remember to join us, and together we can bless our mess. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Therapy Thursday. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, technology use with our children. I've been asked to speak um, locally here within our community to some of the parents um, about um, technology use, um, healthy habits for that, so it doesn't become a detriment um, to our to our youth, which it is, right? This is a growing concern. Um, and so I wanted to share a little bit of the information that I'm going to present um, that evening because you know, when we look at it too much of a good thing, right, is what we're looking at. We have to take a look at the impact of technology on our teens' mental health and their mental well-being. Now, technology is rapidly evolving, and regardless of how we feel about it, like me personally being in the mental health profession, being a father, uh, I don't like, right? I don't like how quickly it is evolving and how much it can like draws our children in, you know, the addictive properties of it. I hate it. But regardless of how I feel about it, the changes are here and they're going to continue to happen and it will be part of our daily lives. So rather than trying to fight it, I'm going to accept that this is going to be a growing thing, which now the role of my parenting is going to shift because now it's going from not, you know, the absence of of electronics to um, the healthy relationship with electronics, you know, how to, how to use them in a way that doesn't become addictive and doesn't damage their mental health and well-being. Because when we look at it, social media is on the rise. Um, Kids are getting on social media younger and younger, and that is so dangerous. That is so dangerous because the use of social media can drastically impact a child or teenager's identity, their self-esteem, or their self-concept. Um, and body image. So, I mean, no matter how much we try to fight this um, comparison trap, right, it happens. And on social media, all anyone posts really is the best version of themselves, right? They want to show everyone what they think they want to see. They'll tell everyone what they think they want to hear. Um, and very rarely do we see the behind the scenes, right? Some, some people will. Um, but, you know, genuinely expressing who you are, how you feel, you know, it might not create something post-worthy, you know. So even the mundane topics of life, 
they will be given such an angle, right, when posted that it's going to highlight a point or a joke or somehow, you know, as even though we try to be authentic, social media cannot possibly fit the entire context of any situation, right? So we just get snips and bits of what this person is posting. And so as mentioned, no matter how old we are, we can get trapped in this comparison, a constant pressure for people uh, to compare themselves to their peers. And this is for teenagers, this is where it becomes dangerous because they will start to ask questions like, you know, who am I? And then they start to get consumed by, you know, what they are seeing on social media. And so they become consumed with how many followers do they have? How many likes did my last post get? Did anyone share it? Did anyone comment? Um, They get obsessive over their snap streaks. So kids and teenagers they ex- they like significantly experience and feel this pressure to portray themselves in a socially acceptable way to make people like them right they they want to feel accepted they want to feel loved um a sense of belonging like they're part of something and so there's this immense pressure to portray themselves in a very socially acceptable way and that's where you'll start to see kids and teens actively follow what's trending right because if it's trending and i do what's trending that's socially acceptable therefore i'm liked however these um social media platforms they are just heavily influenced by marketing metrics and when you try to integrate marketing metrics with interpersonal relationships oh man there are some very damaging effects on on our youth's mental health because of that so some of the some of the ways um unhealthy use of electronics is detrimental to our children it can stunt and really inhibit uh, their ability to develop healthy relationships and healthy attachments because now relationships are moving more and more online right so we see our kids and teens especially teens um spending more time on screen than with um, face-to-face with their peers, with their friends. So these studies are just really presenting some, some alarming findings. Again, they're not spending as much time with their friends. They aren't dating as much in their teen years. They are more likely to feel lonely in their teen years, getting less sleep, that is a a major concern um because when we look at it you know we're like why is this happening why are they getting depressed why are they feeling anxious you know why why are they feeling depressed because of the electronics but when you think about it when we were in school uh, we didn't have 
um, this notification of every time that there was a get together or that there was a party that maybe we did not get invited to. And we didn't have to see pictures of it, of everyone, you know, being out, playing a game or being at a party. And to some degree, we didn't really care what we looked like when we were hanging out with our friends. Because I remember in my teenage years, um, that was the way it was for me. I I wasn't too worried. But now when you think about it, um, you know, there is so much use of social media and so many pictures and stuff like that. So just even a casual hangout, it's like, oh, geez, I have to look my best because I don't know if this stuff's going to get posted on um, social media. So, and then you also think about the bullies. When, when, when I was young, I was, I like most people experience a bully at some point in their life. It happened to me, but when I left school, I left them. I didn't, when I was out of school, I didn't give another thought to the bully. Um, if teasing happened, right. It, it didn't happen when I was at home because I wasn't around that bully. It didn't even happen publicly. It just happened, you know, maybe in class or in between classes, things like that. Everyone couldn't see it. Not everyone, right? Just whoever was passing by at that time happened to see it. And that was it. That was where the teasing started and ended. But you think about it now, man, it's all public. It's public knowledge. Our kids' peers, their peer group can join in. They can watch. I mean, like, this is horrifying, right? So right now, it's very difficult to be a teenager or, you know, a tweener, right? Although as, as parents of children, we have to believe that um, because if we have to help our children navigate it, and again, future episodes, we'll talk about how, how we can do that. And as parents... And teen relationship is so much more difficult. It really is as a as a teen because they're really wanting to start to step into their independence. So it's hard to be um, a role model and encourage your your child, your teen, if we as adults have difficulty relating. And so, a lot of parents will spend some time online and things like that, but it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? It's like, oh, I want to be able to relate, but at the same time, I'm now exhibiting unhealthy use of screens. So right now, there's kind of this silent tragedy developing um, in our homes, and it concerns our most precious gifts, our children. It's been, again, releasing alarming statistics on on a sharp and steady increase in kids' mental illness, which is now reaching, I would say, epidemic proportions. One in five children have, a, have some type of mental health-related problem. There's a nearly 45% increase in ADHD in kids, um, nearly a 50% increase with, with teen depression, Man, a hundred percent increase in the the suicide rate of kids ten to fourteen. So, part of the issue is today children are being really deprived of the fundamentals of a of a healthy childhood, a, which consist of like a healthy childhood. The fundamentals consist of emotionally available parents that stay connected 
conversations that include eye contact, clearly defined limits and guidance, responsibilities, uh, balanced nutrition and adequate sleep, you know, movement, being outdoors, playing, creative play, free play, social interaction, opportunities for unstructured time and boredom. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Instead, our children are presented and being served um, digital, digitally distracted parents, indulgent parents who let their teens um, kind of rule the world, so to speak, um, which fosters a sense of entitlement rather than responsibility, inadequate sleep, unbalanced nutrition. So now there's physical repercussions to it. Uh, a very sedentary indoor lifestyle, um, and there's ample amount of studies that show how that feeds depression. Um, easier access to drugs, alcohol, pornography, that can obviously lead to substance abuse and addiction, um, and this kind of endless stimulation, this technological babysitter feeds instant gratification and kind of this absence of dull moments, which is, you know, this is true, but it's so sad. And we'll touch on more of that um, later on in, in, in this episode. It's shifting and moving towards online engagement rather than the in-person activities. Um, and we saw like this become almost the norm because of COVID-19, right? We couldn't go out. We couldn't socialize. So what did we do? We turned to FaceTime. We turned to Zoom. We did all of this stuff over electronics. And you do that for a long enough period of time, it becomes habitual, right? So how, how long did we have to do that? You know, depending on where you lived um, in the world or in the U.S., right? Each state had their own... Um, uh, I don't want to say laws, right? But uh, right, each state had their own way of dealing with COVID and whether or not you're going to be able to go out in public and blah, 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 right? That's, I'm not going to go down that road, but that's what really drove this push toward online engagement rather than in person. And once it becomes habitual, now we see our youth doing it and they need that in-person interaction, but now that's not the norm. The in-person's not the norm. It's the online that's the norm. <laughs> One of the, the unfortunate side effects of that right, is this sense of isolation. Everyone was isolated and withdrawn during the pandemic. So the technology allowed us to speak face-to-face -face in real time with relatives that maybe lived halfway across the world, help, you know, Parents stay connected with their jobs so they can continue to provide an income for the family. An interesting study by uh, Dr. Essery had found that in his clinical experience with kids, um, with parents that might be living in a different state or a different country, and that was their only mode of communication with that parent was over electronics or, you know, online it was interesting because the children started to identify their devices as their parent rather than understanding that their parent was speaking to them through a device, right? So they started to develop a parent or a child-parent relationship with the device 
It, and so it's just crazy how um, unfiltered access, um, unrestrained access to electronics can really start to rewire our children, their brains, right? So um, really, for, for better or worse, we are social creatures. We require physical in-person stimulation, social interactions, like we thrive on that. And that's one of our universal needs as human beings, a sense of connection, right? Belonging, love, acceptance. You know, we, we want to be part of something. And when we're not out there physically interacting with people, that underlying universal need starts to go unmet. No wonder anxiety and depression amongst our youth is on the rise at a, at a very scary rate. So Dr. Um, Jean Twinge, the author of iGen, um, in, in her studies found that the number of teens who get together with their friends nearly every day, the number of teens that get together with friends every day has dropped by 40%. So that means, obviously, more teens are spending their free time alone in their room, isolated on their phones, or they're playing video games or computer games. So according to Dr. Uh, Twinge, all screen activities are linked to less happiness, and all off-screen activities are linked to more happiness. She says, eighth graders who spend 10 or more hours a week on social media are 56% more likely to say they are unhappy as compared to those who devote less time to social media. You know, 10 hours is a lot, but even those who spend six to nine hours a week on social media are still around 50% more likely to say that they are unhappy than those that use social media less. And so the interesting thing that she found was that the opposite is true, right? The opposite is true with the in-person interactions. Those, uh, Those children, those teens who spent an above average amount of time with their friends Now, I don't know what that looks like, right, the above average, but let's just say if we had to compare screen time to in-person time, right? We want want the in-person to outweigh the screen time. That's kind of how I interpreted this. But those who spend an above average amount of time with friends in person, they are 20% less likely to say they're unhappy than those who hang out for a below average amount of time. So only 20% of those kids would go, yeah, I'm unhappy. That means 80% of kids who spend less time on screens and more time in person, 80% are happy. They report being happy. Part of what this does this excessive amount of screen time really starts to decline the social interaction. But for children specifically, 
um, Kate Fagan, a, a former ESPN reporter and author, um, noted and spoke on some of these possible contributing factors to the mental health issues um, with our children and found that it, you know, some of it comes from the lack of free play. Free play is described as any type of play that children, you know, um, engage in that is unregulated by adults. So sociologist Peter Gray noticed that there was a decline in free play while inversely an incline in child anxiety rates, right? So with the de- the decline in free play, kids aren't able to experience kind of some of those minor setbacks in life. Some of uh, the life lessons that are learned over small mistakes, ones that aren't detrimental. Um, you know, experiences such as being picked last for, you know, kickball. I remember those days, you know, get, getting picked last and yeah, it kind of stung a little bit, Right. Um, or even, you know, falling, Um, you know, that experience of falling allows the kids to build up their own self-esteem, their, their, their ability to self-soothe. And with that comes a higher level of self-esteem and independence, right? Something that we've, I'm assuming most parents want for their children, right? But another area that really concerns me with, um, this, excessive amount that our youth have to screens. Um, it, it really starts to desensitize people, right? The, the more time we're on um, electronics and, and specifically social media and things, we start to become desensitized. So ultimately this poses a challenge um, for perspective taking and developing empathy for others. Right? It's, it, it now makes it a little more difficult for our children to challenge their own perspectives and, again, develop empathy for others. So studies show that's, that 36, nearly 37% of kids feel like they have been cyberbullied in their lifetime. And I have seen that just even within our own family, with our own kids, right? I I have seen that. And so the price for making derogatory comments to another person doesn't seem as severe or steep when it's, you know, done through a screen. You know, if if someone says a hurtful comment or makes a hurtful video about somebody, it doesn't seem as damaging because that person's not there, right? It's said to a screen, but they lack the empathy to understand that there is someone on the other side of that screen, right? So that's one of the things the study found is that oftentimes kids and teens do not understand that there is a real person with real feelings or a real life, real ambitions, um, their own needs, desires, right? self-esteem and how they feel about themselves, they lack this understanding that there's a real person on the other side of the screen. So it's hard for them to understand the magnitude of the comments that they're making. And it's common, right? We'll see either on social media or even over gaming, you know, because now gaming online is accessible to 
everyone. People will make comments, oh, you're better off killing yourself during a game. Like if they're not uh, performing well at the game and say you lose that round or that game because somebody wasn't excelling in the video game, you'll have people on that team make those type of comments. Oh, geez, you're just better off killing yourself. You suck. You need to quit. Go to, right? It's just crazy how brutal people are. And and that's just the concerns. And then in the next episode or two, I'll be talking about what it is we can do as parents to start setting um, some healthy boundaries and helping our children set, set healthy boundaries with electronics, start to govern themselves um, in ways in which that, right, we can start to shift um, the screen time to in-person time, right? We want, it's not to say, again, it would be very unrealistic to expect your children to eliminate screens, you know, from their life. It's just not going to happen. So we need to start making the shift where, yes, you're using your screen time, but we need to make sure your in-person interactions um, outweigh the amount of time that you're on a screen. So in the future episodes, we'll be talking about that. But today, I just really wanted to let you in on just kind of how scary this is becoming, you know, and because let's see what nearly, what was it? 2013 is when youth really started to get their hands on, um, smartphones. And now fast forward, you know, 10 years, it's so advanced nearly again, 95% of kids have them. And the, now the research is starting to come out, right? There's been a long enough period of time that research is starting to show how dangerous this is. And so as parents, we need to prepare ourselves for that. So in the future episodes, I'll start covering some of those uh, things, approaches, um, tactics parents can take to help their children develop that healthy relationship with electronics. I hope this has been helpful and we will catch you on the next Therapy Thursday. Thank you for joining us on the Bless Our Mess podcast. We hope this episode has added value in your life and the lives of your loved ones. Don't miss out on future episodes by subscribing, following, and reviewing the show. Remember, when life gets messy, to join us and together we can bless our mess.